really podcasts are the greatest medium of all, you know? Until we got all of yeah, it. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Two Authors Chat Show, an entertaining podcast with two best-selling authors connecting readers with an eclectic array of distinguished guests through lively conversation and interviews. Hosted by mystery suspense and thriller writers, Douglas Pratt and Nicholas Harvey. Welcome to the show, everyone. Hope everyone's having a great week so far. How you been doing, Nick? Fantabulous. We're in Bonaire. So I think, uh, yeah, between the last show and now we moved, we were in St. Martin and uh, had a great time there. Uh, we got to dive Sabre, which is a fantastic... If you look up in an encyclopedia, a tropical Caribbean island, there should be a picture of Sabre. It's a volcano. So first of all, it's like this peak. It's It's tiny. And it's this peak that sticks out of the uh, uh, the water. And the streets wind, like twist. And then they're only like a car's width and a, and a half wide. And they all drive like loonies. And it switchbacks up the mountainside to these little two little towns up there. Everything's got the red roof on it. All the architecture's the same. There's lots of old buildings up there. It is a super cool part of the world. So if you get a chance to go there, um, that you was very cool. a book there? Uh, well, some bloke, some geezer called Nick Sullivan already wrote a book based out of there. If anyone reads his deep series, yeah, he did a fantastic one. I think Deep Cut is the one that's based out of, uh, Sabre. So, uh, Hicknick, as the tropical authors referred to him, and I'm Britnick, he wrote one there. So, I, I don't know, but I'm accumulating ideas and locations and stuff for future I mean, my guys are basically based on the in the Cayman Islands, although I've ventured off of there occasionally. So I'm definitely, for sure, here Bonaire. I'd like to, although that Sullivan character has already done a Bonaire, but I think there's room for more. Maybe it could be one of the missing in the oh, series that we're doing. Hang yeah, on. we could do because yeah, we double up on Nick Sullivan. We can outdo him. So two of us together. In fact, what we'll do is just go. We'll go missing in the every island that he's been to with a story, and we'll chase him. So we're gonna have to do Bonaire, Sabre, <laughs> Police. <laughs> That'd be fun. We could kill him in every book, you know? Oh, like, yeah. Just put the one character in there and just like have him killed every time. Yeah. And and <laughs> yeah, just call him Nick Sullivan and kill him every time. Yeah. Like he's reincarnated. Hi, Nick. Yeah. How you doing, so, mate? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's see. I'm in Bonaire. What else has happened? Burning Summer was released. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You had a nice release. The Nora book. Yep. Went pretty well. Thank you, everybody, for the great reception you gave Burning Summer. And then the Tropical Authors co-op that I did with uh, Don Rich and Deborah Brown called Priceless, that came out, and it's done very well for itself. It's a novella, but it's actually a book. It's a full-length novel. <laughs> it ended up being long enough to be a novel, so it's really good value. It's good fun. That's right. Nicholas Harvey, the hardest-working man out here. Oh, so. I don't know about that, but <laughs> thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I say yes too many times. I know that much. <laughs> How is Bonaire? Bonaire is a beautiful place. We've been here a couple of times before, and now we're here for four months, so we'll really get the rhythm of the place of actually living here. But it's lovely, and it's a diver's paradise, which they coin as their phrase here. The underwater world here is just amazing, and it's all shore diving. You just walk right in, and you're on a reef. So, well, you don't That's pretty awesome. tread on the reef. You, you know, swim across right. the yeah, reef. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely beautiful. So we've done several, uh, been on several dives. We've run into people here. We ran into... Some friends of ours, Gene and Mary, who 
stayed in an RV in the RV park in Key Largo that we lived in. And he worked at Rainbow Reef Divers where uh, Cheryl worked for uh, a year. And, um, and we'd go diving with all the time. I had lots of friends there. And we didn't know they were here. We just walked down the pier and there's Mary. She's like, hello. <laughs> we're like, oh, hello. That's wow. Yeah, they were here with the big group. Small world. Yeah. Very small yeah, world. Very yeah. small world. So, um, yeah, we got to do some dives. I had a mega dive with Gene, actually. I slipped off one morning. I was a naughty boy and left work. And uh, uh, we went over the Hilma Hooker wreck here, which is a cool wreck. And we went uh, a little deeper inside than you're supposed to go. And uh, found the engine What kind of wreck is it? Uh, a shipwreck. Uh, I forget what it is. It's uh, okay. I think it's, it was a freighter because it's got these, it's not particularly big, <laughs> a couple hundred feet, but it's um, oh, cool. it's got two big holds, uh, big holds in it. Uh, so it's a it was a freighter, and um, it's on its side, so you can that's cool. Wheel awesome. down in the lower holds. We we found our way into um, eventually the engine room, but the uh, we go in this one section and it's full of lobsters. And Gene's leading, and he's going ahead of me. And the lobster tentacles. I don't know. I need to look up what you call them bloody things. You know, the little antenna. I guess they're antenna. That's probably that's probably what they're called. Yes. <laughs> Learn something new on this show, people. Education. <laughs> so uh, the antenna, they're like tickling his arm and then tickling his tummy as he goes across. They're everywhere. And they're all reaching out in our light beams, you know. It's like, wow. Yeah, it's like running yeah. the uh, gauntlet between the lobsters crazy yeah it was it uh-huh. was pretty cool but anyway yeah and then uh, another couple of friends i'm on the plane get this i'm on the plane leaving miami because we had to go to st martin miami overnight and then miami down to bonnet so we're about to leave miami and i just posted something on the dreaded facebook and said uh, you know we're off to bonnet someone posted back this lady christy who has followed on facebook and uh, i recognize the name christy hall and um she posted back so are we we're on the same flight <laughs> i'm like oh we're in, you know, row 12. Two minutes later, she obviously got the ping and the lady in the row in front sort of stands up, looks around, goes, Nicholas. I'm like, oh, hello, Christy. So her and her husband, wow. Chris, uh, were on the same flight down here. They're staying at the same place we're, we're staying. And we went diving with them the other night. So which we um, had awesome. dinner with them and we're going to go out again. So it's going well. You know, everybody then, wow. It's a very, very small world. A very small world. Yeah, yeah. It? And uh, let's see, what else happened? Davin, uh, Davin Goodwin, uh, who's written a couple of books based in Bon Air, he was here. We crossed over for one evening and we had a beer together. Um, so it was nice saying hi to him. Should have invited him on our show for us. I, I, he was leaving the next day. Otherwise, we could have done something. Yeah. But uh, I got to tell you this story. So as you're listening to this, you can't see what we can see. But out this window is a beautiful uh, Caribbean sea and uh, the coastline of Bon Air. And uh, one of the problems I have when we got here is the resort we're staying in has decent internet, but it's not good enough to do our podcast. So I started hunting around for somewhere we could record, or I could record. I, I'd sent out some emails, put some things on some blog sites. I wasn't really getting anywhere. And the um, on the island here, they've got this sort of coaxial, which is okay, but not great. And then there's a few spots that have fiber internet, which is fast. So we were struggling to find somewhere. And the other day, we actually Saturday, Cheryl and I are walking through the little town here, Grandike, and uh, we walk past this big open air kind of uh, bar restaurant place, really caters to the tourists and cruise shippers and stuff. We walk by and there's a long table set up with microphones all the way around it and a, like a mixing board and two guys sitting there. And um, so we're like, well, uh, what's, what's going on there? And I'm like, hmm, 
they look like people who might know places where you can record podcast type stuff. So they weren't actually recording anything at the time. So I sort of waved at them and they said, oh, yeah, come on over. So I talked to him. Turns out this guy's uh, uh, two guys, Martin and uh, Mikhail, if I've pronounced their Dutch names correctly there, uh, from Mega Hit FM radio station, which is local radio station here. Oh, wow. And on Saturday mornings, they do a show, like a live show thing from this uh, little bar restaurant. And um, they, they just finished and everything else. So I start chatting with these guys and tell them what I'm up to. And I'm like, uh, any ideas of something we might better record? And they start chatting away in, in Dutch, like uh, picking each other's brains a little bit. And then one of them goes, uh, well, wait a second. There's this guy over here. And this, the, the, the restaurant bar was kind of empty. It was kind of mid-morning, you know, between breakfast, lunch. And they were done with the show. So there was only like two other people in this place. He goes, uh, come and meet this guy. So we walk over and he introduces me to this chap, David. He says, he might be able to help you. And then, you know, <laughs> Martin walks away and leaves me chatting with David. Turns out he runs this company called Boutique Bonaire. And they, uh, they have like these small resorts. Uh, like I think I got five of them so far. And they have a blanket managing company. That, that So instead of each little resort having to do all their own HR and IT and everything else, they spread it across one corporate thing. And that, that's what they do. So he's got this office in town. He says, just uh, let me finish up with this chap I'm talking to and I'll, uh, we'll go take a look and see if it will work for you. <laughs> so five minutes later, he walks Cheryl and I down That's here, awesome. up into the office, this beautiful office, lovely uh, place and super fast fiber internet in here. And he's like, okay, tell me when you need the room. And uh, he just wrote it in his calendar and that's, that's it. Awesome. So I'm to come in here yeah. and uh, yeah, super bloke. And that's Honestly, St. Martin was this way. Sabre was even like small. Everybody knew everybody. And uh, Bonaire is very much the same way. Is like if you talk to somebody, they're guaranteed to know somebody who's guaranteed to know somebody who, who will help you out. And everyone's super friendly and willing to help out. So brilliant. That's awesome. So where have you been? Well, let's see. I've been to Hawaii. My wife and I just got back uh, about two weeks ago from week in Hawaii, um, which was supposed to be for our 25th anniversary last year, but with the pandemic, it made it hard to book it. So we pushed it back to our 26th anniversary. So she and I just went and we spent a week in Waikiki, which was just phenomenal. I mean, enjoyed it, did lots of snorkeling, you know, we ate at Dukes and, <laughs> you know, wandered around, had a lot of poke bowls, had a great time. We rented a car, drove around, went to the Dole Plantation. So we get to see little tiny oh, yeah. yep. pineapples. Yeah, that was kind of cool. And did you know, you talk about learning things on your on our podcast, how long it takes to grow one pineapple? It's like 18 months from the time it starts to the time you can harvest it. Really? And each plant only, yeah, each plant only grows one pineapple. They'll, they'll grow it three times. So over the course of three 18-month periods, you can get three pineapples out of it. But that's how long it takes to grow a pineapple. And I'm like, how the hell do they sell these things for 99 cents? I mean, I used to be going for like 10, 12 bucks. No kidding. Next time I look at a stack of pineapples in the store, I'm going to imagine how many it trees is, that took. I was like, I was like, that's crazy. And the little bushes, I mean, they don't, they're, they're, they're not very big. So it's kind of neat. You can like look out through it. And of course, Dole had a, like the pineapple ice cream and you could buy pineapple juice, all sorts of stuff. So we had pineapple ice cream at like, eight o'clock in the morning because why wouldn't you when you're in hawaii right so absolutely so we didn't tour around we went to the north shore we watched the surfers i didn't get out and surf but um sure i mean if i were there for a little bit longer i wouldn't mind trying give that a try 
Now, and the other really cool thing we did was we were driving around and Ashley and I go places. We like to experience as much as we can. So we jam pack. We don't go for four months at a time like some people. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we try to squeeze it all in in the four days. Yeah. Many, many moons ago, I went to Hawaii and went to uh, uh, Waikiki. Actually, we stayed up near the North Shore. I was a youngster in my 20s and uh, I surfed a little bit, but I was terrible at it. So anyway, I had a boogie board and I enjoy boogie boarding. So we're at the North Shore and I'm like, I'm going out at the North Shore. <laughs> so I paddle out on my boogie board. And of course, the waves don't look that big when you're, you're on the beach, you know, you no. get out there. And then I start getting to these waves and they start crashing over me and they felt like mountains breaking on me, right? Just mm -hmm. crashing. And I'm like terrified now all of a sudden. And I'm paddling like crazy and I fight for 20 minutes to get outside, you know, where the waves are crashing. Right. There's a few surfers out there and stuff and they're all hanging out looking at me like, what are you doing out here, you idiot? Which they were correct. <laughs> what else? What was yeah. I doing? <laughs> so, and now I've got this problem. I'm stuck outside. So the only wave I'm going to catch is the biggest wave of the day. <laughs> or I have to go in That's right. and risk getting, if I don't catch a wave, I get pummeled. Know, pummeled again. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so I start talking to them. There's this uh, young girl at, actually out there. And I'm like, um, yeah, so uh, I can't remember. I got talking to her anyway. She said, um, yeah, we're waiting. What are, you, what are you waiting for? She goes, we're waiting for it to get big. There's a competition supposed to be happening. <laughs> It's supposed to start today, but the waves aren't big <laughs> enough. I'm like, great. I'm out here terrified for my life on a boogie board, not even a surfboard. And then I finally made a wave in and I rode it like straight. That's all I did, straight all the way to the beach. And I literally went up the sand, rolled over and went, oh my God, I'm alive. Yeah. That's my <laughs> surfing career. Yeah. I didn't get to do any of that. So yeah, I did, just did a lot of snorkeling. I'd like to do some diving there, but we didn't have much time to do that either. So we drove, we drove around the, the entire island, though. And at one point, we were trying to look for, did you ever have any of that Huli Huli chicken? I don't remember Huli Huli chicken. But there again, it was back in the, a long time ago we were there. Well, I mean, we didn't actually find any. So supposedly on the North Shore, they'll, there'll be people just set up with grills selling chicken, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, like, you know, from the back of the cars. And it's supposed to be amazing. So we were, like, looking around for it, didn't find any, drove around. And finally, I saw this uh, little store that had a big sign that said chicken on it. At this point, I was a little hungry because it had been a while. I've been swimming. <laughs> yeah, eyeballing every chicken by the side of the road. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So I, I stopped in there. Another couple had stopped in right before me. And so I walked in and I mean, the store was tiny. It was a teeny tiny store. It was really, uh, it was actually called the Wait. I'm going to mispronounce this wrong. So but it's like the Wakuni store. But he had chicken and the people in front of me said that they had driven across the island because people had told them it was the best chicken on the island. Um, and so oh, wow. I was like, well, now you sold me because if he, this is the best chicken, it was, it was really good chicken. But the guy behind the counter and, uh, man, I've got his name. He, he followed me on his Instagram. He was immediately like, oh, wow. You know, asked me about my books and took pictures of me. So, oh, that's so cool. It, it was a really cool store. Yeah. It was really neat. He's like all over Instagram with pictures of people and, uh, in his store, but it's like, it's the Wakuni store. So follow him on Instagram. He's, it was really cool. Really nice guy. But if I was back there, I'd, I'd drive across the island to get that chicken too. It was really phenomenal. <laughs> so, or I was starving. I don't know. You know, <laughs> yeah, one of the two. <laughs> so we, we have to, I mean, the next, uh, missing in the, uh, which is the green wolf series, but everything's missing in wherever, um, maybe Hawaii. 
because we've both been oh, to yeah. Hawaii. And a then North it, Shore, yeah. Man, it'd be a good we excuse go to go back. back. I mean, that's the key. Yeah. We get to go back. We could go back, get a little, little cottage on North Shore, and write us write us a book. Yeah, in, uh, like a couple I, of weeks. I like you thinking. All right, what do you what have you been writing at the minute? Sure. Well, working on missing the keys. In fact, I I think it's my turn around. You toss the football yes, to me. I've got to get it you. Is get you going. <laughs> Uh, I'm also trying to work on my next Chase uh, Gordon book, which is Golf Dreams. So uh, that's been trying to work on that a little bit. Um, and I've started uh, a different series altogether. I'm doing a cozy mystery series with uh, a cozy. new author. Yes, a cozy mystery. I'm really, it's going to be exciting. It's one that's been rolling around the back of my head, and I don't really have the time to do it by myself. But I met this uh, young author whose name is Sunspot Stovall. So she is uh, doing some fantasy stuff right now, but she's got, she's a really great writer. So uh, I read some of her stuff. I was kind of excited about that. So uh, you keep an eye on that. We don't have anything up. It won't probably be out until next year, but, um, but to be in a new series, we're trying to work on that and get her and me together and get that going. So we're kind of excited about doing that one too. So, so I think we're up to our question. Are we not? We have a question of the day. Yeah. We better move on. What do you got for a question? Oh, uh, this one comes from uh, Jess Betts out of Beaverton, Oregon. And her question is, what is your favorite type of crustacean? Crustacean. <laughs> crustacean. <laughs> yes. Not your favorite crustacean, not like Sebastian from The Little Mermaid. It's your favorite type. <laughs> I guess I'm supposed to say uh, a lobster because everyone likes to eat lobster. But I like lobster tacos, I have to say. But Oh, lobster tacos are good. We, we had a place in Memphis that used to do lobster pronto pups. What the heck is that? It's, it's you think about you know what a pronto pup is. No right? clue. Never heard of it. No clue. Oh my gosh! Uh, you Brits don't know anything. <laughs> it's a hot dog that they. Oh, that's why they deep fry. They deep fry it in like funnel batter, funnel cake <laughs> batter, and something like that. It is fabulous. <laughs> I don't. It's and it, it's served at like every festival. It's the southern thing, I guess. Maybe maybe I thought they had it everywhere. No, but. they don't have it everywhere. <laughs> It's like a corn dog. You know what a corn dog is, I do know is, what a right? corn dog is. I've managed to avoid them my whole life, yeah. Oh, well, Prado pups are different. They're, they're, you can get them like like regular size hot dog length, or you can get a foot-long one, and you smother it with like mustard or ketchup if you're gross, or I don't know what British people would smother it with, but <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, it's <laughs> the EMTs this, follow uh, you <laughs> with a defibrillator. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yes, yes. Have you had a fried... Twinkie or anything yet? No. You know, I think I had a fried Twinkie once. Yeah, I had a fried Twinkie. Okay. Once. Anyway, so back to my, the lobster pronto pup was just, a, it's, a, it's the lobster tail. They deep batter it and fry it on a stick so you can just eat it like that. It was really good. That lobster. So, but back to. Lobster ass on a stick. Lovely. <laughs> yes. But back to what is your favorite crustacean as we digress. Yeah. <laughs> that never happens on this show. <laughs> All right. Uh, let me think about that. So, oh, I know. A horseshoe crab. You ever seen a horseshoe crab? They look like oh yeah, yeah yeah they look like a mini armored car underwater. They're brilliant looking things. Yeah, I, I mean I I can't imagine cool. unless you can swallow it whole. I think they're protected against every other thing. They're cool. And then uh, and then slipper lobsters. Slipper lobsters are um they well they look like a slipper <laughs> except they're not fuzzy and material. They're hard and what have you. And they're smaller than a regular lobster. But they're pretty cool looking too. Yeah. So what about you? You, you're, um, what was your favorite? Did we cover that? No, we didn't do mine yet. No, no, not yet. I mean, obviously for eating, I honestly, I, I love, I love blue crab, but for eating, but I'm going to tell you my favorite crustacean is a crawdad. 
You know what a crawdad is? I do know what a crawdad is. So you were familiar is. with that yes. one too? Do y'all have those in the in the UK? I don't know how. I think we do have them. I think they're called something else over there. But my my wife's from Oklahoma, and whenever we go okay, hiking, she knows. She whenever we go through a stream or anything, she turns into an eight year old kid and goes hunting for crawdads and holds them up at me like look like that that one. That that's right. Well, I will tell you. So only reason I say that was we love crawdads around the south, but. When I was, uh, one of my first jobs bartending was at the Peabody Hotel in Memphis. We had a raw bar, which was oysters and shrimp, but because of the South, we also had crawdads on it. Raw. And so on really, 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 yeah. No, they were cooked. They're all cooked, boiled. Now, they weren't live, so, which is why it's weird to call it a raw no bar because you cook the shrimp too. Yeah. But the only thing raw was the oysters, but I digress again, but the point is, we would on very, very slow nights take the crawdads and, and perform crawdad theater. <laughs> <laughs> like those nights when nobody was in there, we'd be like, you know, acting out like different scenes with our crawdad. Oh, man. Can you imagine the crawdad? The poor guys, right? They're like, it's bad enough. <laughs> We've got yanked out the river. We're going to be eaten alive or boiled. Well, they were, they, were already, they were already dead and cooked at that point, but it was, you know. We'd still play with them and stuff. It was, yeah. All right. I think we better move on to the show. I think so. Yeah. We'll, we'll bring in some good sense. This is, actually, this one's a great one. So we're, we're practicing different titles now. <laughs> we try titles, meaningful titles that never went anywhere. So this one's called Fish for Dinner because this guy has fish for dinner a lot. Uh, we do too, actually. But it, uh, this chap does. His name is Daniel. He's better known as Adventure Man Dan. If you follow him on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram, uh, he's a blogger. YouTuber. He's got a bazillion followers because he does this amazing traveling on his sailboat and uh, he's an incredible spearfisher, uh, spear fisherman, I should say. Um, so let's get to the interview with Adventure Man Dan. Joining us today, Adventure Man Dan, otherwise known to his friends as Daniel. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Nick. So Dan, hey, how's how's it going? You gonna tell us a little bit about uh about your boat because I'm a boat guy and that's really the first thing I want to know about. Well, I think the most important thing about my boat is that the viewers know I love my boat. I truly do. She is my <laughs> true love. I didn't always love her. I've often hated her, but I really love her now. Right now, my boat is uh, funny enough. If I was to uh, get up from the studio right now, I could actually see my boat uh, out in the lagoon here in St. Martin. Yeah, so it's hanging in this beautiful spot. I uh, currently have a life raft hanging from my dinghy davits so it's a little easier to spot because in only one week the life graft has barnacles like thousands of barnacles growing on it so i said no 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 i'm keeping this life raft this is my little toy tent and I, I got it after a, uh, a demo because it's expired but it's just too much fun i've been having too much fun with it my boat itself though is a 1984 benito ideally it's uh, 11.5 meters or 37 point something feet I've made a lot of custom modifications to it, like uh, a folding swim platform off the back, which gives me effectively two more feet of highly usable boat space, which I mean, highly, I, I can't imagine anybody who has an older boat, you know, all the older styles, they just didn't make them very useful for getting in and out of the water. It's like, you were only supposed to go from a dock to your boat, go sailing to the next dock. And it's just not my style. So yeah, I've done a lot to it. Um, got a thousand watts of solar on board fixed in place so it never moves no matter how bad the storms get and that powers everything all my electrical needs last year built my own uh, lithium ion battery bank and that powers 
everything. I've got a massive inverter to power my water maker. I've been supporting two friends of mine with their freshwater needs. So they come over their Jerry jugs and the, you know, a little, little like Oliver outfit. And they go, please, sir, I want some more. You know, I, and I'm like, clean the bottom of my boat and we'll talk. Actually, I should be saying that the bottom of my boat is filthy. No, I've been there. I've been there and I know how it is. So I'm, I'm over the mood to help them. And both these friends, also funny enough, their water consumption is hysterically low. Like I've always been proud of mine, but like these guys are like Olympic competitors and they don't shower. They don't do anything. Well, no, like they shower. Like, like, uh, one of them's younger. He's got a YouTube channel as well. I've been collaborating with him. It's a uh, hoops vlog. He only uses saltwater. He just jumps in, you know, does everything in the ocean, jumps out and then just towels off. I like to have a freshwater rinse. I don't like to have salt left on my body. Uh, I think it helps if you towel off as opposed to like air dry. So a lot of times you'll be doing a board sport or something. And I'll just have all this salt just accumulating on me. So like, it's kind of a bit different. But um, yeah, no, it's great. He uh, he was over my boat yesterday getting, I think, like 10 gallons. And then he's like, do you mind if I like do a shower as well? I'm going to film that. And I'm like, yeah, buddy, whatever, whatever floats your boat, you know, so. <laughs> so the day in paradise, you know, is some uh, some other grungy solo sailor, you know, showering on my boats. It's paradise. What can I say? I do remember your swim platform, and I also have a Catalina thirty, which is terrible for getting in and out of the water because they don't they don't put a swim platform. And and I have looked at your swim platform, and I have plans to design my own to kind of hang off the back so I can get in and out of the water, so my wife's daughter can lay out and float or whatever. So you know, um, I thought that was a brilliant brilliant thing that you did there. So. I mean, I started from the ground up on it. I've always had the philosophy of sail your boat for a little bit, then refit it a little bit, refit it, sail it, refit it, sail it. Because you actually know what you need. If you just think, oh, hey, I'm going to, I mean, if I just kind of went with just, I'm going to refit my boat how I think is good. I kid you guys not, I was going to put oars on my boat, like big oars. <laughs> and I was going to have like a spot for like my seat. And I was like, I, like when my motor dies, I'm just going to row it. Funny enough, I actually was originally, it was, I had a school of thought of either getting a Catalina 30 size boat in Southern California and sailing that thing into a ground. And I figured get them cheap because people want to get rid of them because there's so many of them. They don't want to maintain them, which is understandable. The other option then was get a uh, boat that could be my forever boat. Uh, My boat kind of hit on the smaller side of what I thought I needed for my forever boat. Turns out, especially with the way that I've modified it, uh, the bed cockpit makes a huge difference as well. That my my cockpit, you know, I can turn it in and out of a bed or however I want to do it with these boards I put down. And then my cushions just go right onto it. So it's been a lot of really cool innovations. But yeah, I get a lot of comments from a lot of sailors. So how did you make this uh, this swim platform? And I started out with my ladder, my swim ladder, which all boats have that on the back. And I strapped the board to it. Not a particularly well-shaped board. I think it was, it was like, it was six feet by, yes, yeah, so it was like three feet by, no, it was four feet by three feet, which is not the shape of a swim platform, folks. Like we, we want long rectangles. We do not want anything resembling a square. I put deck paint on it. It was a piece of plywood. I put deck paint on it because uh, that's what they recommended at Home Depot. I uh, sailed the Florida Keys during COVID and found out that it did eventually break away. And everybody said like, oh, it'll only last for like a month or two. No, it lasted for a year, technically just horribly, you know, dissolving away. And, uh, and by the way, this is supported by my aftermarket dinghy davits. And then for swim platform 2.0, as I call it, um, I then had the bigger structure I do now, the proper aluminum structure that's my uh, Bimini, as well as my dinghy davits. Um, and that then supports uh, swim platform 2.0, which was actually shaped to the back of the boat. It was effectively a two foot by six foot rectangle that I then kind of shaped the sides. 
Otherwise, when you put it up, the corners would have just been digging into the water if you had any heel to your bow, which would have been kind of funny. And I, and I liked that one a lot. And then, uh, but the downside with that was I was still using the ladder underneath and I could see I was deforming the transom of my boat because it's very thin back there. There's no, the structural needs at all, like the the actual bottoms, things like that. You know, the corners of it is where the structure is, not the big flat side. So uh, I decided I need to build what I later learned is called a boss. It's the fun of doing all this stuff and having no ideas, all the learning you get to do. And first thing you got to learn is the name of these things. So boss is something that goes on the back that gives you a, a, a straight angle, straight edge. Because otherwise, the back of my boat was curved on both the X and the Y axis. So it's pretty hard to you know, figure that out. So anyway, um, I built my own boss using a various methods of uh, build it and measure it, build it and measure it, cut it three times and then measure it and then build it again. <laughs> but it worked. The thing is as solid as can be. And uh, I've got Swim Platform 3.0 on there now, which um, was almost perfect. I should have wrapped it with fiberglass is something I did realize, but I didn't care because I needed to go. And I now know it's the perfect shape and everything else. So Swim Platform 4.0 will be built uh, when I put my boat in Grenada. How long have you been uh, at sea or traveling through the islands? When did you leave home in the States? Yeah, so I, I bought my boat back in 2018 after I think, I think I had spent uh, roughly nine months learning to sail at a yacht club and uh, did some deliveries stuff like that and sailed my boat down. So I bought it back in 2018, I think September 2018. So I've been living full-time on the boat for the last four years. As far as actual time that I've been sailing, it varies because, like I said, I would go sailing for a bit. I would do you know longer missions, figure out what my capabilities were, both, both physically you know, and mentally, emotionally, and what my boat's capabilities were. And like I was saying with uh, water, for example, like having to always go someplace with a jerry jug, fill it up and pour it in a tank. And man, it just sucks, sucks so bad. Um, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, so, so I do these refits. So anyway, so I've gone on and off over the last four years, but recently, you know, right now I left last time I was, my boat was attached to anything was uh, at a boat yard in Fort Pierce, Florida. It looked like a junkyard. It was, it was a great, it was a great place. I don't have poetic words to describe it this morning. It's, no, all, it's, it's all boatyards, isn't it? They all look no, like No, this one's special, man. This one, uh, oh. there's, there's, there's many boats that have trees growing out of them. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Just yeah. to give you an idea, uh, not, not intentional trees too. So I know it was a unique place, but I left there, I think it was um, mid-June, mid to late. Yeah, I think it was like June 20th or so last year, 2022, I guess that would be. So I'll be approaching just a year pretty much nonstop. I think I've been to a dock, like a marina since then, I think a collective four or five days in the last 10 months now or something like that. I'm not, not great at math or calendars, not my strong suit. The, the point <laughs> is, is, yeah, I've gotten very good at uh, living out on the ocean and just really enjoying it. And at this point now with how well my boat's set up, it's uncomfortable for me to be at a marina. You know, there's just no need. I I don't need the water this there. I don't need the internet this there. I don't need, I do need to do laundry. That's, that's one thing I definitely would, uh, would be wise to do here soon. So well, what do you think are like some of the challenges that you faced since you've, well, or, you know, what were unexpected things that when you got out there, you're like, ah, this is no problem. All of a sudden you went, wow, I didn't think about that. And the first one is, well, I mean, I was doing a solo and I think the first challenge was, is that getting into a good cruising rhythm, you know, right now I've been in St. Martin for probably approaching a month now. Didn't really intend on doing that, but I absolutely love it here. In the past, when I first got my boat, like I'm thinking of the first time I uh, I sailed to the Bahamas. I was only there for three months, but I was mentally and emotionally exhausted. 
by the end of that three months, because I was moving so often, I wasn't picking great anchorages. You know, I didn't know how to pick my weather windows as well. I always want to mention and give a shout out to my original sailing mentor, Don Radcliffe, back in Santa Cruz, California. He was wonderful to talk to and to get feedback from and to do everything else from. Ultimately, you have to do it and you have to make certain mistakes. So, and that's, I think, the mistake that I made versus now, like I said, I, I, I know I do want to put my boat up on the hard, you know, probably around August or so and take a break from the boat for a little bit. But it's more because I need to refresh my perspective. I need to, you know, remember why I do this, remember why I love this, because I don't think you can do anything 24 7, 365 and keep that same ever burning passion for it. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a chef, if you're a musician, anything like that. You got to take at least a little bit of a break just to give your mind a minute to, you know, come back around. So, yeah, and as far as the challenges, I think that I first faced, it was just moving constantly and, and being just exhausted, going to get water and being exhausted and not knowing where I could get food, where the groceries were, you know, stores were and everything that way. So I was going to ask you about food. Now, you're, you're a big spear fisherman. So um, any, anyone watching this, you've got to check out his YouTube channel and he's a, a very accomplished spear fisherman. So obviously you catch fish yourself, but. In the middle of the open ocean, that's a tad more challenging than when you're near an island in shallow water, right? Or do you find them in open ocean? Me personally, I am adverse to hook and line fishing. Let's, let's break it down like this. If you go to the grocery store to get your food, truth be told, that's not really that sustainable. Like, I don't want to come off like one of those vegans that's telling you that everything you're doing is wrong. But I'm just, honestly, you know, think about if you get a fish at the store, like the process that it took to get that fish to the supermarket, you know, I mean, that. The guys going out in huge ships, you know, that are doing commercial fishing. And with commercial fishing, there's always bycatch. With spearfishing, there is no bycatch. I know exactly what I'm getting. The closest thing to bycatch I've had is more than a few times I've speared something that had something in its stomach that, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I remember one time in California, I speared a cabazon and it had a small abalone in its stomach, which is really cool because that was the only legal way I could have eaten an abalone there. And I sure did. <laughs> and me and uh, I got, got four bites. It was a very small abalone. We got four bites out of it. So when you're sailing across the ocean, so I think in my sailboat, I don't think I've, maybe I've done a, I don't think I've even done a double overnight. I think I've only done single overnighters because okay. in that time frame, if I get up early, early in the morning and I go through the day, through the night into the next day, I mean, there's no way I'm not going to clear, you know, two, no, maybe two, but you know, 180 nautical miles probably that way. And there's no jump you have to make from the United States as a whole, at least on the East Coast, I'd, I'd have to, to double check the West Coast, but at least the, the East Coast as a whole, all the way through the Bahamas, all the way down the chain, Turks and Caicos, Dominican Republic, uh, US, especially Spanish Virgin Islands, US Virgin Islands, British Virgin Islands, now to here, St. Martin, and then down the chain. The largest jump I think you have to make is either uh, Samana Bay, uh, across the Mona Passage to Puerto Rico, uh, which I did that one solo. And I think that's like 125 nautical miles, maybe, might be a bit more. Or uh, might be uh, Turks and Caicos to Luperon, Dominican Republic. I think that was about the same distance as well. I just didn't catch that on a good weather window. But for all of those, you you don't need to go too, too far. So I look at it as when I go for those jumps, I'm not fishing. That's, that's one day I'm going to focus on yep. sailing and I focus on relaxing. When I get to the place or before I was at the place you know, that I was coming from, that's when I'm going out to the reef. I'm doing my spear fishing. However, if you are doing long distance sailing, you want to you know troll a line behind you. It's a really easy way to you know if you know what you're doing. Uh, even if you don't know what you're doing, it's a really easy way to catch a mahi mahi, a tuna, you name it. You know there's quite a few options to catch something that way. 
And then the other way too, that's really fun to do, but I feel like this happens more in higher nutrient dense waters like the Pacific, like not, not all parts of the Pacific, but uh, many parts of the Pacific where we have large bait balls congregating. And what I'm excited to be doing later is to be sailing along, see these large congregations of uh, bait because the fish will be hitting it from the surface, bring the boat up, lock the helm all the way over, kill the engine, jump in with the spear gun or the pole spear and go dive in. And I've done that actually, you know, both uh, in Andros. I remember I did that off of a, a buoy and it was just me and like a hundred sharks. There was no fish. It was, oh my God. Yeah. And, and they were ready to tax me too. They were, as it's called the taxman, they're ready to jump on it. I did. I've, I've done it a few times where I've been solo sailing and I'll get off the boat in the, you know, in the open water. And it's, it's definitely a rush. Uh, last time I did it was, uh, I think it was Cat Island, Bahamas. And south of there is a pinnacle called the Tardar Bank. It's out in the open ocean and it's like 6,000 feet deep everywhere. And then this pinnacle comes up to 70 feet. So I just one day took the boat out there, hopped overboard, locked the helm all the way over, you know, dropped my sails, turned the engine off. And I just went free diving all the way down to the bottom. I got this really cool, uh, it's one of, yeah, it's one of my favorite photos. I'm down at 70 feet and, and I'm like pointing up at my boat, you know, as I'm doing it, you know, to get this selfie shot. You just see like this hole, you know, like way the heck up there. It's, it's a I'd like to do it again too. And uh, a funny story too with that is that uh, when I was at the surface doing my breathe up next to my boat, it was, you know, fairly calm. When I went down, you know, I was down for about a minute and a half before I came back up. I was just taking my time. I come up and it's raining and the wind's trying to come oh up. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> and, and so it, it did make me think. I was like, man, if, if you didn't, you know, check your surroundings for, uh, you know, storm clouds, possible for the wind to pick up by the time you come up. But that's why I locked the helm. If any amount of wind did come that could push the boat in any substantial way, it's going to bring it, you know, side two. And there's no way with my long blades on that I'm not going to be able to outswim my boat. So. So, Daniel, obviously you're on a journey, I mean, a physical journey in your sailboat. You're traveling around all over the place and you're going to move on from St. Martin and go down to another fantastic island. But do you have an idea of where you're going philosophically and uh, in, in your life where you, you see this ending up? Or are you, is it a journey you're just on the ride of or do you have a goal at the end of it? Or what do you see? Like, you know, the, the, the really boring question is where do you see yourself in 10 years? But it's actually interesting living a life that you do. That is an interesting question. Yeah, no, because I mean, literally every day I can do anything I want. I am I'm probably one of the most free people on the face of the planet, which is kind of a funny thing to think about. I don't have I don't have a significant other that I'm beholden to. There's no children. I barely pay my taxes. You know, I'm I'm just free as a bird. <laughs> so it's something I do think about: is where do I want to go? Like I said, I, I do want to take a break from the boat. I do like to sail. I do like to spearfish. I recently learned how to ride a motorcycle and now I'm like, I want to go to a random country, you know, and do a motorcycle trip across it. I was talking with Hoop about this the other day. And I think what I might do is put together some sort of like an adventure bucket list, like a big overarching one and, yeah. and uh, have some people contribute to it. And the thing is, the list will never be done is what I'm imagining. It won't be a list. It'll be an ever evolving list. There'll always be items brought onto it and always items going over to the done list. There'll always be two lists. Yeah. The done list to help me remember what I've already done and have accomplished. And then the other list helped push me towards something. Honestly, I'd love to go to space. That like, like I would absolutely kill for that. I, I genuinely and truly like I, I'm happy I picked the name I did Adventure Man Dan because it really does say what I, I just want adventure. If at some point somebody says, hey, man, I know this guy who is working on the deepest di diamond mine in Russia. I'll be like, you know what? Let's let's go check it out. Let's go do it. That sounds like a blast. You know, um, I like water related stuff. I feel the adventures are I just love the ocean. And there's so many encounters I've had in there. I mean, you look at the ocean with sharks, for example, like I, I can go up and I can get a hand on an apex predator. 
you don't do that on land. You don't go pet a bear more than once. It's wild, you know? So it's, it's pretty cool for that. But as far as that goes, I feel like I don't yet have the language or the idea to describe where it is I want to end up. I want it to be something that's not on my radar. And I feel that. I do feel that there is something out there for me that I'm going to get to it and be like, wow, this is really it. And it might be not so much along the lines of my own journey and my own adventure, but it might be more me mentoring other people, becoming a motivational speaker, becoming a life coach. I would love to do that, but I would definitely do it in a unique way. I don't want to make a lot of money in life. I like the idea instead of, I don't know, maybe everybody who wants to join my my life coach, uh, you know, inspirational talk thing, you know, you, you give me a goal, I become your life mentor and that money, you know, you get it back if you actually complete your goal. If not, it goes towards the other people, something unique. And I feel like that'd be a more interesting way to go through life is, uh, you know, it's not just about money for me because I, I live off of very, very little and all my boat, in you know, my boat, everything's very cheap. And actually, you know what? I'll, I'll bring up one other thing then. This will be, oh, this will probably be aired probably after I've done it. But to give you an example of um, fun, interesting things I like to try to be going after is I just uh, created uh, something I'm calling the Sailor, uh, the Sailor Samaritan Charity. I partnered up with a marine store called Island Water World here on St. Martin, and they have several other islands or several other stores on several islands of the Caribbean. But they have basically what West Marine should have is what they have there. They're there what West Marine is supposed to be. I'll say it like that. You can dinghy to every one of their stores. That's one thing where they, they don't want me putting down other stores, but I can say whatever I want on this podcast. So I'll say that. Anyway, long story short, though. I worked with them. So now I have a charity that I made where I'm going to just go help other sailors. They've given me a several thousand dollar account with them that I'm going to find sailors that need a water pump. They need a windlass. They need whatever. And I'm just going to be helping them out. I've got one guy already who doesn't have a ditch bag, an emergency ditch bag for his boat. So probably sometime within the next week, I'm going to be taking him there, building him out a ditch bag and helping him that way. So the community, the boating community is so vastly different than so many others in that sense of just it's a lot like the author community too it, it really is having being in both it's just very much they were willing to help each other and in a heartbeat just jump up and, and do whatever it'd be nice if the rest of the world was like that no and you're absolutely right and i think of it as sort of like the alaska principle like when i was up in alaska and, and I, I was in southeast alaska i wasn't in like alaska like because even the southeast alaskans they're like no no you got to go way further but people there, they'll help each other. If something goes wrong, like you're very likely to get them to help you. Like the New York City mentality. If you if you have a flat, you better fix it or pay someone to go fix it. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. And I think that's why it is that way in the sailing community. You know, the people are the nicest when you're off grid. I can just go ding you over somebody. I think it's rude. It, honestly, like I, I don't think highly of a sailor, you know, if I go over and not that they know me like that, but just you go over, you chat them for a minute and they're usually like, hey, come on up, have a drink, have some snacks. Because there is that, hey, we might need each other versus in regular life, when you see a stranger, the odds of you needing them are fairly slim. And usually if somebody else says they need you, it's probably a scam. You know, they probably have bad intentions. That's kind of just how it goes. With the sailing community, you can do that once and word would get around very, very quickly that you are a, you're a bad actor. And man, then if something does actually go wrong with you on your boat and you're out there and no other sailor is going to help you, you are done. That has to be it. Yeah, that that's not a good situation to get yourself into, no. right? So I, I want to talk to you a little bit uh, as we move on here about uh, your writing, because obviously you write a lot. You're a blogger. 
So you've got a lot of words out there on the internet already, right? Yeah, I, I've, I've been progressing with it, especially, especially over the last, I don't know, six months or so, I've been dedicating a bit more. I think it started out with originally, you know, I got my first GoPro and that's what started all this. And I wanted to film spearfishing videos and I had all this content, but I wrote up like a script and I narrated it. I put the epic music and bump, 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 bump. So I kind of had a passion for that, but I never put out things just as writing. Facebook became an evolving medium for me because I was able to have these photos and talk about them and share the story. And the more I progressed, the more it evolved, it turned into instead, I'd post a photo more to have visualized the emotion of the article that I was writing up. You know, most recently I wrote up a, a large article on, I, I called it the, the truth of my feelings. And uh, it was basically about what it feels like to be alone out here in particular after being as I, I, I wrote it, I think, you know, an hour or two after I had been with friends on a big catamaran and had the best day ever, but I had this, this feeling of emptiness. And uh, so I wrote about it there and was very truthful. And, and my audience is certainly responding to it, which is wonderful. You know, it, uh, I put out a lot of uh, very raw emotions that I have on there. And uh, it's, it's very rare on Facebook to have people be so receptive to raw emotions. You know, it's, a, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've definitely been on the uh, on the bitter end of that, but um, yeah, no, it's, it's it's been wonderful. So I'm I am to answer your question. I think I am trying to develop myself as a bit more of a writer as well. But I, I still love uh, video editing. I love photo editing, getting the photos, and um, being on podcasts too, because that's really podcasts are the greatest medium of all. You know, until we got older. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, the emotional ups and downs of what you're doing. I mean, that's part of. Uh, I would guess why you do it, why you want to sail solo, uh, why you want to be alone on an ocean, why you want to be, uh, uh, put yourself in some of the positions that you put yourself in, right? I mean, it's a roller coaster of emotions, but you're looking for some of that, right? You want some highs and then you want some calming and then you want some highs. Do you find you're, you're constantly, do you seek that out or does this naturally evolve? How do you find it? Sometimes I just want a normal Tuesday, you know, it's just, it feels kind of no. You know what's funny, actually, as you're saying the roller coaster. I've actually realized as I focus on things, as I look at my life a little bit more objectively, that I'm actually looking forward to my next down. But right now, I mean, this past month in Saint Martin has been just phenomenal. I, I have truly very little to complain about. I, I, I don't even have what I've coined the. Well, actually, I don't think I coined a term, but what I love to use is a term: high quality problems. I'm actually running out of high quality problems, which is. That's kind of scary. I don't know what's going to happen after that. And high quality right. problems for those of you listening, those are things like, oh no, you know, if I have three different women that want to go out with me tonight, which one am I going to choose? <laughs> oh, what do I do? That's not a problem. That's a high yeah, quality problem. That's you that's, know, that's a high quality problem. That's bragging, is what I hear. So, <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I try to keep it to myself. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> No, so yeah, but I, I'm curious, you because know, I, I am going to leave here soon, you know, and I'm excited for the challenges I'm going to face. I often think about my boat sinking, for example, not in the sense of worrying anymore, but more of kind of looking forward to it in the sense of if I can look forward to bouncing back after my boat sinking, you know, I'm indomitable. Nothing can put me down. And I, I get very excited thinking about that, you know, and I, as I've, I've gotten into journaling as well. Um, I've kind of written up my own template for this little quick, uh, I don't want to write out in the morning. I do, I, I can type for hours, but handwriting I've never been good at. So, but I, but I want to do it for journaling. So I just do, you know, I think I only have to do 
it helps me kind of focus and visualize what it is I want to be doing, the direction I'm going with things. So I know that there will be struggles ahead and I'm trying to, I guess, look forward to them as much as I can so I can learn. Because you don't learn when you win all the time. You learn when you get knocked on your ass and you got to figure out how to stand back up. And I think most of us oftentimes in life, we get knocked on our ass, we sulk about it. We eventually, one way or another, you know, hopefully come back up for those of us that do bounce back up again. And then we look back on it as, as that, as thank God for that, that downturn. But for me, I'm trying to see if I can, I don't want to be too excited about it, but I do. I look forward to the next time I get my ass kicked. You know, I look forward to the next time I, I get an injury. I, I don't even get injured that often. Honestly, it's more breaking stuff. And like, all right, knock on wood, but I'm going to say it now here and loud. I'm looking forward to my next electrical gremlin. I'm going to dive in. I'm going to figure what? it out. Oh, I'm gonna, you're a mad I know, man. I know. Because I've got an air conditioner out on my boat if you want to come you know, figure that one out for me. So it's I've already got it solved for you. You ready for this? No air conditioner on the boat. It's that simple. My wife, my wife likes the air conditioner, so it's kind of tough. But yeah. like you don't. Oh well, <laughs> don't don't blame it on Ashley. Oh, you love I, that air conditioner. I know. I'll sit out in the cockpit with just you know you know nothing on. But the marina people, there they you don't go. Like that. Oh, the marina people, yeah. <laughs> they're always like, put something on. A towel will be nice, you know, whatever. So <laughs> we're getting too much naked on this show. The it, <laughs> the Annie Dyke intro went ventured into naked. There was too much of that. Have you got a good naked story, Daniel? Oh yeah, yeah. How how? Uh, what am I allowed to say on here before I get get too far into us? It's. it's pretty much open but i mean you know shoot i was i was getting some um some some extracurricular miles out of that life raft i've been playing with lately so you know so there's, <laughs> there's that know, but my, my all-time naked story would, would probably be uh the reason uh the knuckles uh the the was it my pinky and ring finger knuckle on my right hand are lopsided because i was i had a had a girl i i was sharing a house you know i had my own room downstairs and uh had this girl over. This is this is many. This is a couple of lifetimes back for me. So this was this was before I was Adventure Man Dan, you know. But uh, yeah, so so she's on the bed and and she's she's naked and uh, and I, I just done this trip tease for her, so I'm butt naked and my door just flies open all of a sudden and it's my housemate who never communicated this to me, but apparently did not want me to have any women over, but never communicated this to me in any way. And I'm like, oh, I'm paying my rent, so I, I can't imagine what the problem would be, but. That's not what I'm thinking about at the moment. What I'm thinking about at the moment is I was, it felt like the zombie apocalypse came out because this this, <laughs> this guy was like five feet tall. And I I'm I happily stand just barely six foot, you know. So I'm not I'm not huge, but I'm not tiny either, you know. And and at the time I was working out like it was my job. I was I was very, very, very solid. And I, I never thought about fighting this guy because it just didn't seem logical to me. You know, like what's gonna happen? You know, I'm gonna throw this guy around the house, like no problem. So, so he tries to come in like a zombie and he's, I guess he was punching me. I didn't really notice much because tiny, um, I think he started scratching. I had all these like deep, I was like bleeding by the end. I had all these scratch marks on me, but yeah, you know, I tried to, I tried to hold up against the wall and I'm like, you need to calm down. And he wasn't calming down. So I dropped one right hook in the dark at this point, because if the light got turned off in our scrap and, uh, connected just right at the temple, I'm not a professional boxer here. So I, I didn't quite, you know, that. The force was there, but I think that yeah, if I had gotten him a little bit more with my um, my middle uh, middle knuckle and my index finger knuckle, would have done better. So it broke the two uh, the two outer ones there. And uh, the funny thing is, though, is he collapsed like a bag of potatoes, just flops down, and I instinctively put him into a 
I guess I'd be like a front chokehold, you know, kind of kind of one of these. I know viewers can't see it. But the funny thing is, is like, you know, his face and uh and uh, <clears throat> little Daniel was uh they might have had a me- <laughs> they might have had a meeting during that, you know. I mean might, might have got a little poop on the nose, you know. <laughs> uh not intentionally, you know. Anyway, um yeah, no, so Obviously, I had to get a different apartment after that, and that and I was guy would think so. Yeah, yeah, and and we don't have all day for this, but funny enough, I mean, I didn't have to fight my next housemate, but I, I, I never. I was in Santa Cruz. I I must have moved like five times in I think like eight months when I was living in Santa Cruz, and I'm sure at least some part of that was my fault. But man, that was not a not a stable living situation. So. Now I look at living on a sailboat, you know, in the middle of nowhere, just open ocean around me, whatever. And I'm like, oh yeah, this this makes way more sense than just all the ridiculous stuff. Nobody, nobody barges in on a sailboat in the middle of the ocean, do they? So I feel a great swell of pity for anybody who comes to my boat uninvited. I'll just say that, you know, I, <laughs> I keep it well stocked. And uh, yeah, no, I'm not going to ask two questions. If anybody's on my boat without, yeah, I, I think like any sailor, but the funny thing with that story too is um, I kept training, even though my knuckles were broken. I remember I was doing swim training, and I would just tuck one hand. I would do a lead arm skull as I was doing, you know, like a you know mile or so uh, combat side stroke, and I'd be out there swimming and stuff. And uh, yeah, so don't let anything put you down. It doesn't matter who it is. And, uh, and 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 I didn't tell it. I knew it at the time, but I didn't bother telling this guy because I figured he didn't deserve it. But if you do get hit that hard. And you do get knocked out and you do have a gash on the side of your head because you went unconscious from a from a blow. Don't go to sleep immediately because this all happened at 3 a.m., you know. So oh my he went back to sleep immediately. And that's really, really bad for the brain. That is not medically recommended. There's a lot of lessons to be learned there. A lot of lessons. <laughs> Number one is if a guy called Daniel applies for the job as your roommate. <laughs> Double check if he's on YouTube as Adventure Man Dan. Well, this is <laughs> open communication. If you don't want there to be girls in the house, you know, don't get jealous about it. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I say, don't, don't bust into the middle of it. That's just that's straight up blocking at that point. And, you know, yeah, and you deserved really, every bit of that. So what was really funny too is it was that girl's last night as a civilian. She went to boot camp. I mean, hours after that, she went to boot camp. Yeah, you never know. You never know out there. And uh, adventure does seem to to find you one way or another if you uh, don't sit on the couch. That would be the other thing you were saying. Cool. All right. We've been uh, going for almost 40 minutes. So uh, let's uh, bring out the last question of the uh, of the interview here, which Doug has prepared. This is our wheel of questions. Ah. Yeah, see. see, we actually have one. It makes noise and everything. Yeah, I like you have a little app that like makes a noise. And I mean, the viewers don't know it. That would have been easier, but somebody's like, no, we need a wheel. And so I'm like, okay. <laughs> He's in St. Martin. I carry a wheel around. So, you know. <laughs> Everywhere he goes that we do this, he has to carry the damn wheel with him. I'm going to forget it one day. I'm going to have an extra wheel somewhere. So, you know. All right, here we go. It's got the cool sound. All right, our question is, what did you have for breakfast? No, that's a great one, actually. Uh, I, can, I can tie that in. I can talk about that for another hour. I have a great morning routine. I wake up, I sit out in my cockpit bed with uh, some sort of fruit. This last week, the oranges have been really good here. So a nice, big, tasty orange and a glass of water, get hydrated. I let my mind kind of, you know, just wake up to the day as the sun rises, eat the orange, then immediately have uh, some salmon. I like to have smoked salmon in the morning. Then I do my morning stretch, roll out, workout, reflex training, which at the moment is a 
It's actually really good for boxing. It's a it's a basically like a elastic band strapped to your head with a foam ball on it, and you just kind of box at it. And then once I'm done with that, I do a post workout, you know, deep stretch, and then have a whey protein shake with a banana and a chunk of fresh ginger that I put into it, and a multivitamin pill. It's very important. Wow, I had McGriddle, so <laughs> same, same, but different. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. It's been fantastic having you on. I, we literally could talk for hours. Oh, yes, you got a lot yeah, of uh, great stories and stuff. So uh, maybe down the road, we'll have you on from a, if we end up on the same island again, oh, yeah. we'll do it again. Yeah. Well, it, as you now know, is get me a shut up. It's a trick. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been great having you on, man. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening in to the show with Adventure Man Dan. Daniel is certainly a, a very uh, interesting guy. And what a life. I mean, intense, right? I mean, he is maximizing. I think I'm doing okay on the living the dream part, but this guy is taking it to the next level. He is indeed, yes. So remember, everybody, to subscribe to the show. Um, please, if you can, give us a five-star review. Those really help. Um, it also boosts our ego a little bit. And we like that. And um, make sure you check out the show notes for links to our books and social media. We'll put everything in about uh, Adventure Man Dan, his links to his YouTubes and everything. Um, and anything else we might have mentioned during the show. And remember, uh, we don't have a Patreon or anything like that. So the best way to support the show, other than giving us a five-star review and subscribing, is to you know buy or gift our books, which are available all over Amazon. Next, I'm mega excited about the next guest. Um, so her name is Jill Heineth and anyone who's that's into, uh, diving has heard that name. She's a tech and cave diver explorer. She's the author of into the planet. My life as a cave diver, which is a phenomenal nonfiction book. I've read it about a year and a half ago. I think, I mean, it's jaw dropping. Like I'm laying in bed at night and my heart is pounding as she's describing some of the stuff that she's doing ridiculous uh, in these, uh, caves in Mexico and in an iceberg in Antarctica, diving basically a cave through an iceberg. It's, it's insane. So she's, uh, she's a cool lady. She's also got some children's books that she did, which is kind of completely the opposite, right? It's radical <laughs> life on the edge stuff over here. And then she wrote some children's books. So that's, um, she's an environmentalist and, uh, you know, all that kind of thing. So anyway, she'll be the next guest to watch out in a couple of weeks. So, uh, until then, be cool to each other. And fair winds and following seas. You've been listening to the Two Authors Chat Show with Nicholas Harvey and Douglas Pratt.